Ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As at the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it, but hey, my podcast and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. And welcome to History of a Haunting. I, as you know, am Carrie. And I am Archie. As you know. As you know. Today, we are going to take you to the Philippines. And our episode is on the Diplomat Hotel, also known as the... Uh, Dominican Hill Retreat House. Thank you. Thank you. I, all of, uh, Everything I Google searched was the Diplomat Hotel, and I found a bunch of stuff. I probably would have found more if I... Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh well. Oh well. Oh well. Anyway, um, we are really uh, excited to bring you this episode for a number of reasons. One, it is a listener suggestion. This was suggested to us by Tony and Cherie Rathman, who are the owners of EVPI, the paranormal investigation group that we have um, done a couple of investigations with and have become really good friends of ours. Oh, yeah. They have actually investigated this location. No way. Yeah, they have investigated this location in the Philippines in Baguio. The city is Baguio in the Philippines. And um, they've, yeah, their, their, their experiences were five bananas on the scale of one to five bananas. One to five bananas. Yeah. Their five bananas, their experiences, which I'll talk about a little bit more in my portion. But, uh, yeah, so we are going to the Diplomat Hotel slash Dominican... Hill Retreat House. Yes, in the Philippines. And let's get into it, Archie. Talk to me about the history, because it's got a gruesome history, but I'm not that familiar with it. I've actually never heard of this place. Well, I hadn't heard about this place until... It appeared on a recording schedule. <laughs> but um, most of the websites I researched for this location provided all of the same information. Some of those include Wikipedia, Aswang Project, Atlas Obscura, and Next Shark. In 1911, American friars of the Order of Preachers, commonly known as Dominican Order, along with a few Spanish members, made plans for the construction of a vacation house for them and the nuns of their order in Baguio. One of the members of the order, Friar Roque Ruano, OP, the same architect of the main building of the current campus of the University of Santo Tomas, designed the building. The 17-hectare hill property was acquired from Americans who reside in Baguio, and construction is said to have started in 1913 and was supervised by Ruano himself. It was then inaugurated in May 1915 to take advantage of tax exemptions. The order set up a seminary named Collegio del Santanissimo. So, it, the... Okay, I'm, I'm confused, as always. Um... 
the initial intent for the building of this place was... It was a, to be a vacation home. A vacation home. For the friars. Oh, so it wasn't like a, it wasn't intended to be a monastery or no, any sort of... No, no, no. They decided to call it that to get tax exemptions. Oh, oh. Yeah, because people are people. Nobody whatever, wants to pay taxes. Whatever decade they're in. People are people no matter... <laughs> people who need people. To take advantage of the tax exemptions, the order set up a seminary. <laughs> That's so shitty. Yeah, yeah, people That's are shitty. That's shitty as fuck. It sure the fuck is, but... It worked. It, it Did it worked. work? No, it Did it work? No, because... Oh, okay. <laughs> very small enrollment. The school closed two years later, and the building was reverted to its original use. Mm. And up until 1940... The priests were able to relax, pray, and meditate in the house's lovely fountain-splashed courtyards and cool stone corridors, far from the crowds of the city below. So it was up on a hilltop? Yes. Oh, okay. Has a beautiful view of the city. Oh, okay. All right. That peace was brutally shattered when the Japanese army invaded the Philippines in 1941. Landing on Bataan Island, American and Filipino forces fought a strenuous defense, but by early 1942 were forced to surrender the Philippines to the Japanese. Ugh. The Dominican Hills Retreat House's grim history began during World War II when the Japanese Imperial Army, led by General Tomoyuki Yamashita, turned the building into wow. a prisoners of war camp. That was really... Impressive, because I would have been like, bliggity blah, bliggity blah, and well, lost all of our Japanese listeners. You know, <laughs> I, pra I practice a lot. I probably got it wrong, and to our Japanese listeners, I apologize. But that was impressive. I, I think I did. Yeah, well. I think you did really well. The priests and nuns who occupied the building were forced to serve as helpers for the soldiers. The Japanese Imperial Army particularly its secret military police known as the... Oh, here I'm going to mess it up. Kemp and Paite committed barbaric acts oh. during their occupation of the retreat house, such as rape, torture, and the decapitation of priests, nuns, and refugees staying within its walls. <sighs> Some claimed that they also allegedly massacred numerous children on the two fountains, located on the two sides of the building. Oh my God. In February 1945, American forces that had returned to the Philippines launched an attack on the Japanese army at Baguio. After heavy fighting, the city fell to the Americans in April. It has been reported that some of the Japanese soldiers defending the retreat house committed harakiri, also known as suicide, rather mm. than surrendering surrendering to the Americans. After the war, the Dominican, Dominicans repaired the retreat house and occupied it until selling it to Diplomat Hotels, Incorporated, who thoroughly remodeled the interior into a 33-room hotel in 1972, then renamed the structure the Diplomat Hotel. That was a short-lived venture. However, in 1986, the hotel closed and it has remained a deteriorating derelict ever since. The structure and the land surrounding it have been declared a National Historic Site, 
in, oh, in, in 2013 and renamed the Baguio Dominican Heritage Hill and Nature Park. It is used as a preserved heritage site and to promote tourism. Newly constructed halls on the property can be rented for weddings, trainings, and workshops, weddings. among others. Weddings. It's on the property, not in the ruins themselves. I mean, I get it. I think it. I think it's kind of fascinating. But given the the history that you just history, talked about yeah. is horrific, and oh god. Um, Wow, I, I had no idea about this place. No idea. I, I didn't even know that it existed. I, I hadn't either. Yeah. So I really wanted to thank Tony and Cherie for, for telling me about it because once you got into your research and once I got into mine, it's an absolutely, tragically fascinating place. Mm -hmm. All right, what else you got? That's it for me. Was that it for you? That's it for me. Okay. Um, well, let's take a quick break. <laughs> as Archie's history portion alluded to, it is super fucking haunted. And I, um, there were certain parts during my research of it where I really got extremely skeeved out. And, and that's exceptionally difficult for me to do. Because I'm all about the paranormal and the, the hauntings and the mm, creepy, mm -hmm, scary mm -hmm. shit. Yeah, yeah. But so, some of these stories, I actually had to kind of take a break and be like, I have to stop reading about this just for a little bit because I'm getting scared myself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So my portion is a little banana sandwich. A little grizzly. Mm, it's a little, it's a little grizzly. It's a little, um, it's a little terrifying. To think that, that people actually experience the things that they've experienced. And I'm going to talk about that here in just, a, in just a little bit. So I got most of my information from Atlas Obscura, which I love that website. Oh, yeah. It's super, super it's, fantastic. It is. It really is. Um, the, like you, the Aswang Project. Mm-hmm. Um, yourghoststories.com. Oh. Mm, that's a new one I stumbled on in... This is episode... 13, I think, and this is the first time I've stumbled upon that website, which I've bookmarked because... Because, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> Duh. Um, various YouTube videos and also creepypasta.com. I do want to say to all listeners that our live studio audience has decided to join us for this particular portion, the haunting portion. And I want everybody to please give a warm H-O-A-H welcome to our live studio audience because you guys love her so much. My mom, Nancy Hopper. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know I was supposed to respond. <laughs> That's cute. I love, I love you, mommy. So I kind of hesitated to... Um, I saved the creepypasta source of my information for last because, Mom, in case you're not aware and in case any of our listeners are not, are not aware, a creepypasta is sort of a... Um, Archie, how would you explain that? Like, it's a... It's an internet meme. It's uh, kind of an internet 
meme of, of creepy shit. It is. It's where folks can go to talk about ideas and um, creatures, things like that, that they've sort of imagined. And a lot of them, like Slender Man, Black-Eyed Children, have gained a lot of popularity in that they... This, the way the stories are told of these things, Slender Man, Black-Eyed Children, are so are written so well that they sound like they're real. So I, I, I hesitated to um, even use anything from creepypasta.com simply because it's, it's largely known to be fake. Yeah. However, Creepypasta oh. does have a section where people can talk about their actual experiences in actual locations. And so I chose to include this one story that I found. But... All right. Yeah, I love creepypasta.com. <laughs> I do. I think it's really fascinating. Why does I think that, that surprise me? <laughs> <laughs> I think that the contributions and the stories that have been born on creepypasta.com are absolutely brilliant. I think they're genius. Because they, they're, they're exceptionally believable and, and terrifying. Um, but it's widely known that they are Im imagine imaginary. Okay. So let's get into the hauntings of this hotel, which, as you said, didn't it didn't start as a hotel. It no. started as a vacation. Okay, I think vacation is a bad way to put where nuns and priests went to. A retreat. Sort of it's a retreat. House. A retreat. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, this place. Damn. So <laughs> the, the deserted deteriorating buildings became infamous for being one of the most haunted ruins in the country of the Philippines. Oh. Um, various folklore and ghost stories surround its gray and washed out red walls. Now, Archie, I don't know if you, when you were doing your portion, if you came across um, photographs of, of the place. Did a, you? Few, a few. A few I did. It is, um, it's beautiful. It, it, it's beautiful. And you can almost, when you look at the photographs, and we, oh, as always, we will post them on our social media and our website, but it, it's gorgeous in that the architecture and the view, didn't you say it was on top it's of the hill? It's on top of a hill, yes. Yeah. It's got a great view. It's what looks like a modern abandoned building in the rainforest. Essentially. Essentially, yes. So it's 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 stunning. Even now to this day, like I said, it's it's considered ruins, even though it is currently um, being renovated and 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 it's a tourist location. It's open. Every, it's some I believe almost every day. Preserved heritage. As a pres site. yes, preserved heritage site. Hmm. Um, it reminds me a lot of Povelia Island, except that in Povelia, it has just basically been left to be reclaimed by nature. And this place is very similar. There are certain aspects of it. Certain parts of the property. Exactly. Yeah. Now, um, however, due to the grisly history that Archie touched on, many people see headless apparitions at night. 
and report hearing screams, cries, banging on doors, and other strange and desperate noises. Makes a lot of goddamn sense. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Some believe the building is haunted by the restless spirits of its gruesome history. Right. Yeah. I think we can all agree that Archie's history was pretty fucking gross. Uh, Not as, I mean, we've talked, covered on grosser we, history. We have. But when we get into like <laughs> World War II territory. Things, uh, were, things were bad. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Now, um, because it is a current, what did you say? Natural uh, historic site. I don't think it's a World Heritage Site quite yet. Natural Historic Site. Yeah. The employees and guests have also claimed that they would often hear strange sounds coming from the building, especially people that live around the, the location. They hear crying uh, coming from kids and babies that are kind of a common noise, um, which can be attributed to the massacre... <clears throat> Of numerous children's done at this one particular fountain. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of fountains. Yeah, there's two fountains. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was a retreat for nuns and priests. It, it was. was. And what were children doing there? Retreating. <laughs> <laughs> from? <laughs> World War Two. It, it, <coughs> from everything that I've read, and I think from everything that Archie read, it... it was a everything a holy was fine. Place. So everything was priests. fine until World War Two broke out and the Japanese occupied it. That's when so children went, lived there. That's when families. shit went south. So we're and the children were Japanese children that no Filipino Filipino yeah. And then the Japanese during World War Two. Uh, what's the word to describe that? Like occupied. Occupied took occupied it mm-hmm. and. Tortured, and tortured, slaughtered anyone. everybody there. Anybody that stayed there. Including children and babies. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still just curious as to how a group of nuns and priests ended up with a bunch of children. Was it an orphanage? You know, that's entirely possible. It's I mean it, it was, was sort of a um, it was a priest and nun retreat. For them to get away. But during from, the war, I would imagine that they would have taken the war, in. They would have taken in many anybody people. that needed to be taken in. And then mm. the Japanese occupied yeah, it. That makes sense. It's very well documented that um, priests, nuns, children, and babies were slaughtered in this location. Somebody's burning in hell. Oh, I, I figure a lot of somebody's are. Anyway, um, once it became the diplomat hotel. Managing it then was a businessman, psychic surgeon, and spiritual healer named Tony Agpaoa. Since he took it over and began managing the Diplomat Hotel, it became the haven of his patients that mostly came from all over the world and stayed there while being healed. Psychically healed. Psychically healed, but also a psychic surgeon. So mm-hmm. obviously, I have a lot of questions about that because from the Enfield episode, and you were talking about her aura leakage, like <coughs> sorry, still recovering from a cold. Um, 
I, I have questions about that. About I'm just, leaky auras. The leaky auras mm-hmm. and also a psychic surgeon. Now, yeah. some articles I read did claim that this Tony Agpaoa, he kind of reached cult-like status. He very much did. Yeah. And I left a lot of that out for you to cover because I know you would just love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find it really fascinating and I'm, I'm so curious about this psychic surgical thing that he performed on a lot of the people that came there. And again, they came from all over the world. All over the world. Yes. So apparently operating, air quote, on his conscious patients with his bare hands is, is what he did. But he, he would operate them on them without leaving a trace of any incision. It was a psychic surgery. Um, while some considered him to be a fraud, as kind of I do too, uh, people from all over the world, like I said, would visit Baguio City to be healed inside the Diplomat Hotel. So I can kind of see how he gained a kind of cult-like following. Okay. Yeah. Um, so during his time as manager of the Diplomat Hotel, apparently there was an incident where a fire broke out. While, again, while he was there healing surgically and psychically. psychically. Um, and so a fire broke out in, in the building and several guests who were <coughs> staying at the hotel at the time were trapped inside and died. Which, ooh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't bode well. No, no. One of the caretakers also affirmed that for unknown reasons, a woman who used to work there as a nurse committed suicide by jumping from the rooftop where the cross is situated, directly over the front entrance to the building. Yes. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. They have this amazingly, stunningly beautiful cross carved out of stone at the very top of the entrance and i feel like isn't there like a porticoche like over a, it's the, like four stories high right right um and this cross is at the very top and the cross is actually guarded by like i think like a fence or or something so you can't like climb up to the top of it but um yeah this nurse apparently committed suicide from jumping off the top of the cross i i don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone, but can you imagine if you were checking in somewhere and a body came flying down from the roof? And oh God, right? Would you I still mean, go in? <laughs> that's an excellent question. That is an excellent question. <laughs> I think ex- I'd be canceling my reservation. Another crazy thing about this hotel retreat is that when you drive up the driveway and you get to the entrance, they have these. Huge stone carved rocks or tablets of the Ten Commandments. Oh. Yes. When you drive up and they're like there, they're large and they're huge and it's so intimidating that I'm like, I don't I don't I don't actually think I should go to this this place <laughs> because I might burst into flames. I might burst into flames. <laughs> I might burst into flames. And um, as a quick side, how did your daughter die? She burst into flames in front of the in front of the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. 
Parenting at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. My mother, Nancy Hopper. <laughs> you invited me. I'm not quite over the cold yet. Not quite. Oh, yeah, it's really and starting I, to get up my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to edit that shit out, Archie. Cut it out. What the fuck? Um, yeah, so parent shaming is part of this episode. Um, a sidebar note, because you know how much I love sidebars. When Jennifer and Mike got married, we went to their church, which was this big, beautiful Catholic church in Pittsburgh, for their rehearsal. And they got married on June 29th in Pittsburgh, where the humidity is like 5 million degree humidity, percentage humidity. We don't have humidity in Arizona, so I don't know how they measure humidity, <laughs> percentage, degrees, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, so we walked in this church, and Mike and I, were her fiancé at the time, were walking down the aisle toward, you know, the altar Church. Did Catholic churches have altars? I don't know. I, every Catholic listening is like, oh my God, this bitch is insane. <laughs> um, but anyway, we were walking to the front of the church where the ceremony was going to be. And I kind of touched Mike's arm and I was like, Jesus Christ, it's hot in here. <laughs> and Mike promptly shoved me, like put his hand on my shoulder and shoved me away. He was like, I'm not getting struck by lightning. Standing next to you, kid. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of my funniest stories about my very first experience inside a Catholic church. Um, it wouldn't be the last, but also Mike doesn't go anywhere near me when we walk into Catholic churches. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway. Anyway, that was for Jen and Mike. They're, they, they're still married, by the way, if that helps any of our <laughs> listeners. That my presence as the maid of honor in their Gaelic ceremony affected nothing. Okay. Okay. So, um, since the death of Tony Agpoa, the hotel ceased its operation and was temporarily closed to the public. And I, public, and I think, Archer, you said it closed in 86, 85, 86? Yeah, something like that. Okay. So how long was he... the manager or whatever of this place how many years when did the diplomat hotel become the diplomat i feel like it was at least 20 years oh wow 1972 okay so almost 20 years so 72 to 86 yeah 72 yeah. to 86 yeah so since the death of this psychic surgeon and cult leader let's call him you know what he is the hotel ceased its operation and was temporarily closed to the public it was declared off-limits to visitors as well. However, the people who were living nearby were often disturbed by sounds coming from Dominican Hill at night. Which, Archie, I actually have a question for you. Dominican retreat, is that, does that have anything to do with the Dominican Republic? Not at all. Not at all. It's a religious affiliation. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I was curious about that in your part. I was like... Uh, yeah, I, I was too. I'm like... Why are, why are Dominicans building this? Right no. in the Philippines, random. Seemingly random, but they have no affiliation. No, it's the American Friars of the Order of Preachers, commonly known as the Dominican Order. Okay. Oh, okay. I love when we question Archie about like minute shit in his history, and he comes back and he's like, 
This is the fucking answer. <laughs> Edward tried to fucking challenge him in the Ohio State Reformatory episode, and Archie was like... About architecture? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Archie came back, and he was like, this is the answer, and I'm like, boom! <laughs> <laughs> so, I love it. I love yeah. it. And I wasn't actually trying to do that. I was actually No, curious. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but don't try to challenge Archie in his history, because the boy has got the goods. Um... <laughs> So, um, people that live around Dominican Hill are often disturbed by sounds coming from the building at night. Uh, they would hear banging of doors and windows, clattering of dishes, voices of screaming people who seem to be agonized, which... Considering the history... Who would still live around there is kind of my question. No. People that can't afford to move? I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. Yes. Um, Nuns and priests, especially those who are missing either a head or face. Oh. Yeah. Are um, said to be the most common seen apparitions in the building. There is also said to be Japanese soldiers, children slash babies. Oh, babies. Yeah. Victims of the fake healer. And many more spirits who have the misfortune of passing through the building at the wrong time. Oh. Are spirits that you can expect to encounter when you go there. Um, I did see... Here, let's get into some of the stories. I saw this one YouTube video of a Philippine director who had shot a movie at the location. And he said that they, during the filming, they experienced a number of creepy fucking shit. Um, they knew the history of the place and the reported hauntings. Um, and one of the lead actresses in the film actually asked the crew and the director and, and everybody on set that if anybody saw anything to not tell her because she was very superstitious and she just didn't want to fucking hear about it. Yeah, she didn't want to know. Exactly. So the crew and everybody were just sort of agreed to just go in get the filming done, not discuss anything they've seen, and then get the motherfucking hell out. (laughs) But. Oh, there's always a but. (laughs) My portion is filled with butts. (laughs) Oh, snort laugh, bingo square. Damn it. I think I have that one. Yep. Oh, fuck. Studio audience is a witness. (laughs) Boom. Love it. Okay. So, on a few occasions, a few occasions during the filming, things happened to this poor, poor movie crew. So, I guess one night, the assistant director had been looking for the second assistant director. Never having made a movie, I guess you you have, like, multiple directors. Sure. Okay. Um, And the assistant director was looking for the second assistant director... And she was kind of wandering around the building and she was calling out his name. She got up to one floor and she actually saw him down at the end of the hallway. She saw him and he turned around when she called his name. He turned around and he kind of looked at her and nodded. He didn't say anything, nothing. He just kind of acknowledged that she was talking to him, turned around and walked down the hallway and disappeared into her room. So she was like, okay, I guess he's busy with something (laughs) or whatever. So a bit later, 
She snort laughed? She snort laughed. It's just when you snort laughed. It wasn't me. No, but I know, but it, this, the bingo score is just when you snort laughed. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Guest studio audience snort laughs don't count. Just yours. <sighs> because yours are just so snorty and <laughs> genuine. Oh my God, I fucking quit. You can't quit. <laughs> Sorry, can't quit. No. Um, so she was looking for the second assistant director. She saw him at the end of the hallway. She called his name. He turned around. He acknowledged her with a head nod. And then he kind of wandered away. So a little bit later, they were back on set. And she needed something else from this guy. I mean, she'd just seen him. So she was like, so-and-so, so-and-so, yelling, yelling, so-and-so. And so this other crew member went up to her and said that this person she was looking for, we'll call him Joe, actually had not been on set all night. And why are you calling for him? He hasn't been here all night. So that freaked her out because she had just seen him down the fucking hall. I was just talking to him. I was just, what do you yes, mean? what do you mean? So she raced to the director and she was like, uh, I have a tiny issue. Or there's a situation <laughs> that may have happened. Um, so it was it was extremely uh, disconcerting and unnerving for her because she knew she saw him or something that looked like him. Now, the next day when they were filming, the sound guy was listening to the filming through headphones from a separate room by himself off, you know, off camera. Um, and he heard deep breathing in them. That wasn't a part of the scene. It wasn't part of the dialogue. He was hearing deep breathing in the headphones. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> about the same time, he felt someone standing really close behind him with their breath on his neck. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, That's you. never a good sign. Mm-mm. No. No. Never a good sign. Uh, when he turned around, of course, nobody, nobody was there. there. Yes. Still another crew member had apparently gone to take a nap in the motorhome that was parked outside. I mean, they have like a, a plethora of trucks and, and motorhomes and things like that. A film crew has a lot of... Right, 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 right. So he went to take a nap in the motorhome outside while everybody else was filming at night in this retreat or hotel. And he was awoken about... Can you guess what time? 2.30 to 3 a.m. 2.30 to 3 a.m., yeah. The witching hour, yes. Uh, he was woken um, by the most terrifying, loud screaming coming from just outside the RV. Uh, he went to check. There was no one around. And he actually couldn't even hear the filming going on, going on inside in another part of the building. Oh, that's weird. Mm, little creepy. That's weird. Little creepy. I'm not a fan of being woken up by loud noises or anything in the middle Any, of the Anything at all. No. <laughs> Apparently, the most common thing that everybody experienced in the building while they were there filming this movie were apparitions staring at them through the windows. Ew. Day, yeah. That's creepy. Mm, day or night, they saw people that they knew weren't in the building, but staring at them. The windows. From the outside. They were outside and the, the, the people were on the inside staring oh, at them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, there was... <sighs> okay. Skeevy. This, this one episode does creep me out the most of all the ones we've And done. this is one you invite me to. Yeah. 
Thanks. Welcome, Mom. You're I love welcome. You. You're welcome. You're always a special guest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm tired of being a special guest. <laughs> so apparently there was this paranormal newspaper based out of Poland that interviewed a local Polish guy named Dekila. Sorry, Dekila, if you're listening. Oh, I'm sure they are. We're big in Poland. There goes Poland. Yeah. We're actually not. Poland does, doesn't listen. And they probably won't now. But anyway, Dekila... And this is what he said about his visit to the Diplomat Hotel. There are strange noises at night. Soon after the sun falls, we hear screams of fear and pain, which I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. you hear that everywhere. Oh, sure. Every, every. <laughs> My mom is looking at Archie like, <laughs> not here. <laughs> now you, she's offended you, you that he's live, insulted her home. You don't live in central Phoenix. Anymore. anyway he goes on to say that sounds of doors screeching and being slammed is also common he says which is strange because the people that live in the city have taken all the doors from the building for their homes oh so there are no doors Mm -hmm. to slam Mm -hmm. oh Hmm. yeah i wonder if there's a secondary haunting in those homes that have taken the doors. Oh, that's fast. That's an excellent question. Archie took that creepy fucking shit and took it to a whole other level. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at that. Good on ya. Good on ya. <laughs> Love it. I also watched another video tour, um, or another video of a tour given at night. Um... <laughs> And the guide gave the group three instructions, which terrified me to my very fucking soul. Yeah. Uh, Don't wander off on their own, which, okay. Yeah. Uh, Because, but don't wander off on their own because then he can't protect them. Yeah, if the tour guide is the... Oh, jeez. The interns are also hacking and... So it's not just me. It's not just Archie. No good. Mm. Um, Also, stay with the group at all times. It was sort of an... um, uh, uh, All the rules were generally the same rule with varying degrees of reasons that were terrifying. And no matter what they see, no matter what they feel, no matter what may grab them in the dark, do not Run. Do not leave the group. Uh, I was like, um, I kind of want to go away from this. Right, right. Yeah, but Mm. I kind of want to fucking see what happens. So he also told them that August, for whatever reason, I'm not really sure he didn't explain it, but that August, the month of this tour, apparently August was what he called the ghost month when the veil between the here and the hereafter was at its thinnest there was at its thinnest there. And the spirits can come through now for North America in the United States. That night is all Hallows Eve. Oh yes. So I found it really interesting that in the month of August, uh, apparently that's ghost month there. Okay. But Almost immediately before they even 
got the tour underway, they were just kind of like gathered in the parking lot and he was kind of giving them like the rules and instructions. Almost immediately, the group heard footsteps in the building and through one of the windows saw the shadow of a man walking past. Okay. Yes. So, no tour tonight. (laughs) Right. Um, One previous guest, the tour guide had mentioned, caught the image of a nun in his photos when he had gone back. So the guy had taken a tour the night before. Mm -hmm. The next day he had gone back to take pictures of the place during the day. And he caught the image of a nun um, in the courtyard near one of the fountains. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. So there was another account that I read by a guy who snuck into the location with seven of his friends, so eight of them, close to midnight on All Hallows Eve, which I'm assuming is North American All Hallows Eve. Or or theirs. Or or theirs, but he specifically said All Hallows Eve, so that, that leads me to think that it was American All Hallows Eve. Okay, that's fine. Um, so uh, he talked about him and these seven friends. They had to climb down a ravine and then up and over a barbed wire fence that surrounds the building. So they snuck in, in the middle of the night, um, and they were completely undetected by the security guards that they have there. So this place is surrounded by, you know, barbed wire fence, security guards. It's not something easily accessible. If you're going to try to sneak into it, down a ravine and up the right, barbed wire, right, right. Yeah, difficult yeah. to get to. So he said that their first stop was the infamous fountain. The guy said that his friends went to the fountain and stopped to pray and to light candles to, quote, appease the spirits. But he hung back because he was kind of skepti- skeptical about the entire thing. And I'm, from what I read, the way I interpreted it was he wasn't entirely that religious, so... He didn't feel the need to participate in that, Mm -hmm. whatever. So he did say that as soon as his friends uh, began praying and lighting the candles, that he felt a chill run down his spine and that something cold touched the nape of his neck. Mm -mm. Yeah. He had goosebumps all over and felt a sudden heaviness on his shoulders this heavy feeling, he said, was something that, quote, felt like carrying a backpack full of school books and then some, end quote. Which is significant because, Mom, I think you and I can both remember what it was like to try to pick up one of Koi's backpack when yeah. he was in school. It was like picking up a fucking truck. Um, so this is what he felt. Um, and he actually felt it through him or on him throughout the entire evening. He said at that particular moment, he decided to run and join his group of friends as they were about to finish their prayers. Uh, He didn't say anything to them because he thought it was just the weather getting to him. It was just one of those, like, you know, one-off things. He also said at the end of this particular paragraph, quote, boy, was I wrong. Mm. And boy, was he. So he continues to say that as they moved past doors and rooms and hallways, they made their way up the stairs to the second floor and that there beside the staircase was an archway where a door once was. And apparently, like I said earlier, folks have taken the doors home to mm-hmm. put in their homes, mm-hmm. which I don't, I have so many questions about that, but I'm not going to ask, ask <coughs> any of them. So apparently there beside the staircase was an archway 
and a friend of his in the group had pointed out that there was a shadow of a big man reflecting on one of the walls in front of the archway. Now, it wasn't any of their shadows because they weren't in the source of light that would reflect that shadow, but it was a giant, a big man reflecting in the doorway. And at, the, at that time, nobody dared to look where the shadow was coming from. But, mm. guys being guys... Uh, two male friends and him, of course, decided to check out where the source of the shadow was coming from. And they did, and they did this um, as the rest of the group made their way upstairs to wait on the landing. So as the guys walked under the arch, they felt this cold swoosh of air rush by them. Hmm. So this time, yeah... Apparently this time... Cold swishes are never good. No, cold swishes are never good. Um, The friends also felt the same heavy feeling that the guy had felt. Then a mysterious, eerie voice of a man that sounded like a cross between a bad radio signal and a drunken man's slur was heard. (laughs) I feel like you guys hear that. Yeah, I could probably make that sound right now. A number of these episodes... Um, <laughs> but what the, what the guy with the voice said was apparently in a different language. However, the way he said it was very clear that it was like a warning for them not to go on. Don't find the source of this mm. shadow. So fortunately they did take it as a warning and they didn't go on searching for the shadow source. Um, honestly, he said at this point we were scared out of our wits by... By now, there was an, a, a little bit later, there was another situation where Nikki, which was one of the females in their group, she kind of fell behind the group. And, and when they went to look for her, they found her crying at um, the top of the stairs of this landing that they had just g- gotten to. And um, she was sitting on the stairs crying. And so the females of the group went to go and comfort her. And... She wouldn't tell them why she was crying. She was just crying. Tater. It upsets him. It does, I know. (laughs) Tater's very sensitive. So she was just crying and she wouldn't let, she wouldn't tell anybody why she was crying. Apparently later, after they left, some time had passed, she told them that she had seen a priest staring at her from below and that he had disappeared and vanished into thin air. She was so scared and didn't know how to react, and that's why she just sat down and cried it out. Tater, as you can hear, is highly concerned about what is going on with this place. <laughs> so um, he says that next what happened was, as they made their way out and reached the hotel's backyard, he noticed that he lost his cell phone. Now, he... <laughs> to tell you how old this story is the phone that he lost was a nokia 7650 <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> okay see ever we all know yeah. we're like wow this is fucking old um and it's leather holster and he said it's quote the kind that has holes at the back where you loop the holster to your belt to secure it before buckling your belt obviously um he said his phone was secured to his belt via the leather holster with magnetic flaps. So essentially it wasn't the sort of like phone belt holster thing where you could just fucking, it would just drop off or you would easily like bump it and your phone would fall out. Mm -hmm. It was exceptionally difficult to like 
remove it. Right. However, um, <laughs> so because of that amalgamation of how you put this belt and holster on your pants, <laughs> he was baffled as to how it fucking fell off. Um, so they searched high and low for it, but they couldn't find it. They actually scoured the whole entire place for about 15 minutes. So not the whole place, but they looked around for about 15 minutes, but then the rest of the group was waiting outside and he was like, forget it. We've got to go. Um, so they quit looking for it and they were like, all right, well, yeah, yeah. Sacrifice that one to the diplomat hotel (laughs) entities or what have you. So they finished up their tour by entering a path that um, goes to the farthest side of the hotel's lot. Uh, they found a wall that bordered the, the residential area behind the hotel. So I guess there's homes and, and things like that that surround the hotel. It's not just sort of up on a hill, isolated. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Um, so they found a wall that bordered the residential area, and so they were kind of walking around and kind of circling the area um, when all of a sudden they heard this shrill sound coming from a ringing phone. So they looked around and they tried to find the source of the sound, but they weren't able to locate it. They did kind of wander around the yard area and they reached a huge pine tree where um, one of his friends had pointed out that there was a silhouette of a huge man Hovering at the base of the tree. Um, so then as the rest of the group looked, it they, they watched the shadow vanish. However, they said that it seemed like it felt like it ran past them because they felt this like cool breeze rush past them shortly after the shadow vanished. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> so they decided to check out the tree just to kind of see, you know, is there, is there like, how big is this tree? Is there a, like a hidey hole in it? Is there a place for somebody to like, you know, chill out there or whatever. Apparently huge trees in the Philippine folklore means that it might be a dwelling place of spirits. Oh, yes. oh goodly. Mm. Mm. Um, so when they got there, they heard another sound from a phone filling the air. I don't think spirits have cell phones in well, trees. Electromagnetic interference. What kind of sound was it? The sound of a phone ring, a cell phone ringing. That was a dumb question. Of course that was going to be my answer. Oh my God. So anyway, they searched around and they saw a light emitting from one of the tree's roots. There sat the guy's fucking cell phone ringing. As to how it got there, nobody knows. Um, What they do know for sure was that no one from their group went out of the hotel building and wandered off to this part of the Diplomat Hotel grounds, let alone took it from his belt without him feeling a thing. And how long was it supposed to have laid there? A matter of, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes. So well, it's he, a fucking Nokia back in the day. It could have lasted there for 30 days. It probably could, but I mean, I don't think, you know, he said they'd looked for it for 15 minutes. Eh, it's gone. Of course, now we have $1,000 cell phones well, that I we're mean, not going to give up looking for after 15 yeah. minutes. Well, they also are, like, my phone has a fucking tracking device. Like, I can find <laughs> Well, most of them do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyway, they took uh, a steep path going out, and as the last group member stepped into view, one of the security guards patrolling the place saw them, caught their whole group, and shone his flashlight at them. Uh, 
He said that once the blinding light hit him, the guard took a step back and let out a gasp in surprise. Um, if you'd seen him, he said that he looked like he saw a ghost. His face was pale, genuine look of terror, and then he almost looked like he was ready to pass out. That's kind of me on the general. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously they had stealthily snuck past the guy and he was really surprised to see mm. that, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, once the security guard, however, got hold of himself and composed himself, they took the, the group apologized, uh, for sneaking in and, and for scaring him as they stepped out of like the ravines landing area. Um, the guard said that it was okay. And then actually a lot of people do it, which I'm sure a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, probably. For sure. Um, he also mentioned that he actually did see them inside while he was doing his rounds. Uh, but he didn't want to bother them with their ghost hunting. <laughs> so they thought they pulled the wool over his eyes, but they really fucking didn't, which I thought was, yeah. Everybody thinks they're fucking slick, and they're not. <laughs> they were surprised that he knew that they were there, and they asked him why he got so scared when he first saw them. So as soon as they asked him why he had gotten so scared, they heard um, a, a a boisterous sound of laughing, laugh, laughing coming from behind them. And they thought it was the other group that they had come across that had also snuck into the building. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they all looked toward the building and you know, the other group, they thought the other group was still inside. So once the security guard got, um, a hold of himself, he mentioned that when he had shown the flashlight at the one kid who lost his cell phone, he saw a shadow getting off of his shoulders and running back into the darkness. Oh. Which that's when it hit the kid and the rest of his group that the heavy feeling he had felt once he had gone in was maybe from the shadow the guard had seen jump off of his back and was piggyback riding on him. Mm. And he figured that this spirit had been riding on his shoulders the whole time. Remember when he said he found like he was, he felt like he was wearing a school, a backpack yeah. full of books. And he took the cell phone. I don't think they ever found out. They didn't ever find wow. out. That's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. He'd gotten a headache like the whole bit. Um, and then this security guard happened to see this shadow figure jump off his back and run back into the building. And so he had been carrying around this entity the whole time. Wow. Mm, no, thank you. <laughs> no fucking thank you. Um, so apparently <laughs> the kid that had lost his phone and, and had the backpacking, the piggybacking spirit jokingly warned the guard not to get spooked again if he saw the other group come out and um, the guard had said to him in Tagalog and one of the, the guys in their group was from the Philippines. So he was able to translate, but basically the guard said that it apparently wouldn't this kid said this, don't be surprised when you see the other, the other group come out. It, this also surprised the guard. There is no other group. Basically yeah. is what the guard said in Tagalog. He said, quote, as I told you, I saw your group inside. However, no other people were inside since I saw your group near the fountain. Wow. Yes. So who the fuck was laughing? Who the fuck took his phone? Who the fuck was on his back? And who was the other group? And yeah, who was the other group? And why were they trying to get in? 
No, they were already in. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there was another account, a series of accounts that I read that came from a girl who had gone there when she was about seven or eight years old with some friends. And they all lived in the town of Baguio and had grown up with the stories of the Diplomat Hotel. So this was, again, when they were seven or eight years old. So they were too scared at the time. They didn't go inside. They started recording around outside around the building. It, it, it has a very wide driveway going around the building. She said, when we went around, they were singing and they were goofing off. And at the back of the building, at the, about the northeast corner, the phone that they were using, again, probably a Nokia 75 fucking early shit with a very beginning camera, whatever, whatever phone they were using, it turned off. And so they blamed their friend, John, who had the phone. So John probably pressed something accidentally, making the phone turn off because he was the one holding the phone. That wasn't Tater. Mm. <laughs> that wasn't you, sweetheart. I know. No, I think that was Chewy, actually. It was Leia. No. Oh, was it Leia? Tater, tater was participating, though. Um, anyway, so they continued walking <laughs> around. There was a sudden cold gush of wind that rushed up the girl's skirt. Ew. Mm. Oh. Um, also, she felt icy cold fingers touching her ankles. Again, these are seven and eight-year-old kids. Um, they panicked, and they started to run. It was when they were far outside of the grounds of the, the Diplomat Hotel when the phone started to work again. Um, and then when they got home and they looked at the photos that they had taken on the phone, they noticed a white fleeting figure crossing one of the tall, narrow windows of the front of the hotel during the beginning of the video. At the end, the video just stopped and that's when the phone had turned off. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So fast forward in time, this same girl is now in the sixth grade. So how old are you in the sixth grade? 12, 13 years old? Yeah. Yeah. So she's lived in this place in Baguio City, not far from this diplomat hotel her whole life. So she's sort of uh, become like an unofficial tour guide for her friends mm. of this hotel. Mm-hmm. So her friend Rosemary had brought with her one of those cameras. She says one of those cameras with films, which... I know. Cute, right? Like, that's what they called it. Those cameras with films. Um, (laughs) I'm picturing one of those Kodak throwaway. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, She said that they had started taking pictures and they were all present in the photos. There was nobody else in the hotel. Somewhere in the lobby area of the building near the fireplace, the camera started to act funny. And it was turned on, but it didn't click to take pictures. So I'm guessing that, like, you know, on those those cameras, like, you click it, and then you'd have to advance the, yeah, you know, mm-hmm, to get to mm-hmm. the next. Well, it wouldn't, advancing or not, it still wouldn't take pictures. They started to screw with it, um, and they were kind of all, like, in a circle, and they were looking at the camera, when all of a sudden the camera flashed in front of their faces. So I guess... <laughs> It took a picture of, like, imagine you're looking at a camera and you're looking down and you're trying to figure out what the problem is. And all of a sudden a picture takes, it uh, goes off. And it takes a picture of everybody staring down looking at this camera and, like, everybody's face is <laughs> kind of, like, flashed. And you see up your nose and all mm-hmm. that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So apparently that's what happened. Um, 
She did say that the northeastern corner of the building is used as, or was used rather, as a small chapel. At the end of the room, there was a table probably used for ceremonies. Uh, There were long benches in two rows on either side of the table. And um, after the whole, they got the camera working again, they started to fool around there. And Rosemary, the girl with the camera, was the cameraman. Uh, the girl who's telling the story said that she pretended to be some sort of priest while her other friend, Rochelle, pretended to be her one and only follower, which we can, I got that one friend, (laughs) follow me wherever, and I'm grateful. Thank you. That's me. No, no, Leia, no. Leia follows my mother, apparently. She's being good. Okay. So Rochelle pretended to be her one and only follower. So the girl says, I took my place behind the table and Rochelle sat in the front row. Rosemary took only one photo in that room because they were actually saving up on the film for the rest of the hotel. And it's a huge place. So they were kind of trying to conserve their photos. So this one photo that they took ended up being blank. When she went to develop the film... It came out plain white. You know how sometimes we get those films from Wal- those pictures from Walgreens and we're like, what the fuck is this white picture? Yeah. So one of their friends had asked Rosemary, who had the film developed, why the printing shop made her pay for a blank photo. There was nothing in it. It was just white photo paper. Rosemary explained that the photo was not supposed to be blank, but the film refused to be printed. She brought out the negative that the photo place gave her Mm. that they used at the hotel. Uh At the end of the film, where this last picture was taken, the negative image showed the chapel on the corner of the building, and Rosemary swore she only took one shot of the place and showed us the photo of us mimicking a ceremony when they were playing priest and follower. Mm -hmm. On the center of the negative, behind the table where the girl telling the story had stood, was an odd-looking lady with long hair. This is in the negative. She didn't have a face. Her arms were outstretched upward as if giving some sort of offering to a god. Exactly. Mm. That's what Archie's doing. He's stretching his arms outward to a god that he doesn't believe in. Give me more ceiling fan. Give me more. (laughs) More cowbell. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, they could actually make out what this woman was wearing in the negative. Now, if you guys, sorry, anybody younger than, I don't know, 23 years old, you didn't see, you don't know what a film negative looks like. It's a, you can pick out like distinct things if you're looking under, looking at them through a magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but anyway, they couldn't tell exactly what the woman was wearing, just that it was light colored. There was a dark sash that tied around the robe around her waist. And it didn't look like the uniform that nuns wore or even school kids in that area wore during that day. Every other detail of the negative, like the tree branches outside, her fingers, and the woman's unruly hair, and the scratches on the old table she was standing in front of were visible in the negative. Oh, wow. But we could not see a face. Rosemary said that the negative would always come out blank if they tried to print it, and she still has the negative to this day. That's crazy. Wow. I, yeah. I tried to look the negative up but it, online, but I couldn't find it. So a few years later, when this same girl was in high school, um, 
her friends decided that they wanted to go to visit it again. New fr- new new set of friends. And oh. by this point, the girl's like, okay. All right, There fine. we go, yeah. <laughs> if you say so. Um, nothing unusual, unusual is happening on this particular excursion to the hotel. And so one of her friends, whose name was Davina was lagging behind. Um, she was kind of admiring the architecture and the, the walls and the sort of dilapidation of, mm-hmm. of the place. All of a sudden, this girl suddenly ran forward toward the group and actually passed them. Like, she was, she took off. Uh, so they had just exited the chapel on the northeastern corner of the building when the girl ran past them. So the rest of them followed this girl without any sort of explanation. Well, they were yeah. just like, as, oh. As you do. <laughs> Somebody freaked Nobody out. Nobody called She's out running. to her or anything? No, they just saw her run past and they were like, shit, something's chasing her or something. Like, follow her. Something's happened. We gotta go. We gotta go. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so they, the girls all ran to the main entrance and the girl that had that this is telling the story that has lived there her whole life, she followed them. She was like, okay, let's see what this is. <laughs> so she had asked the girl who initially took off running why she took off running. And she said that she felt something cold touch her ankle. Just when she was kind of admiring the building or whatever. Right, right. None of the other girls felt anything like that or anything at all. Um, But they got spooked because Davina had got... This girl bolted. (laughs) Yeah, freaked out. Um, So they all had a laugh, but they were all kind of like, let's go. Time to go. Time to go home. We're done today. We're done today. So, um, a couple of months later, the girl was doing a music video for a project for her music class. And they had gone and they decided to film the music video at the Diplomat Hotel. Of course. Of course. So they filmed the video. They got all the footage that they needed. They, they included bloopers and, you know, just, you know, fun stuff. Like We're having, having fun. Yeah, like you do. So the the girl who's telling the story said that she was in charge of editing the, the video footage. And um, she added the bloopers at the end of the video with the original audio. And she said that she reviewed her work with the volume turned up. And she actually regrets now putting the bloopers at the end of the video. Because... She was watching it on full volume. And in the beginning of the first blooper that they had made... There was a deep grunting sound just before the group laughed in the video. The second video also had a grunting noise, only it happened in between her and somebody else talking during the video. The last sound they caught, she said, was the creepiest, which I agree. And let's see if the two of you do, too. You always save the creepiest for last. Always. (laughs) So just before another round of laughter from the group, a child's voice is very clearly heard whispering, help me. Oh, my God. Oh. So they caught essentially three EVPs. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. But they didn't hear them. So what class is that? Do you remember? Uh, third? B. Class B. Okay. Yeah. There had been plenty of investigations i mean this girl has been to this place a gazillion times like by this point she kind of knows she could probably work there at this point for sure for sure what was interesting the girl said that nothing 
they could come up with explained why a child's voice would be whispering in English. Oh my. Because she said, mind you, we speak Tagalog in our right. area. Wow. Yeah. But this child's voice whispered, help me, in, in English. English. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, kind of a funny story. A funny Carrie's stupid story. <laughs> so, again, this, epi- this location was recommended to me by Tony from EVPI. And his wife is... is from the Philippines, so she speaks to Gallic. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so when I was talking with him, and, and he, we were messaging on Facebook Messenger, and he said, he wrote the word Tagalog. And I said, okay, can you, can you help me with the pronunciation of that word? Because in Krampus, I butcher a ton of <laughs> German and, and Austrian words. To the point that I'm, I'm convinced we've lost all those listeners. <laughs> so I, I had told him that. I said, so can you, is it, is it pronounced how it's spelled? T-A-G-A-L-O-G. Is it spelled Tagalog or Tagalog? But when I first read his message, he was like, we caught EVPs in blah, 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 and Tagalog. But when I read it, I was like, Tag-? in my head, I'm like, Tagalog, like, Tagalog, like the Girl Scout cookie? <laughs> oh, God. Tagalog? <laughs> and so I stupidly asked him, and I didn't mention the Girl Scout cookie. I'm like, or is it Tagalog? Because then it kind of, something in my mind triggered the, the actual way the word was said. Tagalog. So that's, yeah, my funny. No, it's all right. Yeah. I'm a child that was raised on hooks on, hooked on phonics. Didn't so, work for you. Mm, That's all right. Yeah. Um, when I kept seeing Baguio, Baguio, I kept wanting to call it Baguio, Baguio, because of the <laughs> well, that, G-U-I. Well, that makes with sense with Spanish Baguio, but <coughs> now that it's Baguio, Baguio, and I yeah. got in trouble for calling it Baguio. Not in trouble, <laughs> but you just sounded like one of Jesse's friends from Breaking Bad. <laughs> All right, I kind of poked a little fun at Archie when he said "bag yo." A little bit, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> like, don't say it that way. <laughs> and still, he did. And so now, here we are talking about. Here uh, we are. Here we are. <coughs> um, anyway, so there is one of my final accounts. There was a man who went there during the day by himself to check the place out and take some pictures because, again, it's a really beautiful location and. So at the top of the hill, you get a really great panoramic scenic great view. view of the city. Right. City of Baguio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the city's name? Baguio. B-A-G-U-I-O. Baguio. But it's Baguio. Not Baguio. Baguio. Okay, move along. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this guy went during the day to take to check the place out and take pictures, because you can tour it during the day. It is open for tours during the day. Yep. He knew of the history, and he did know of the hauntings, so he was a little bit on edge. Uh, since it was open, there were tourists all around, and there was some restoration work being done on the place. Um, so he was hardly alone, which would make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Right, right. Yeah, So he went daylight to, hours. For sure, yeah. So he went to the second floor, and he checked out some of the rooms, and he happened to see out of his peripheral vision a little girl in a dress run by the doorway. 
So he paused for a minute and listened to hear the sounds of her or her parents or other children that she had met up with when she ran past the door. Um, and it was dead silent. He didn't hear anything. He just saw this little girl run by and then didn't hear laughing or, or anything after that. So he kind of looked around the second floor for a bit to kind of see where she went. And it was then that he realized he was completely alone up there. There was nobody else. Mm-mm. That's See, about the time I would have left. Yeah, that that kind of stuff is. It's like no. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're done here. Exactly. Yeah, which is what the guy did. Uh, he did <laughs> had to leave, <laughs> and as he was leaving, um, and he was approaching the exit, he did feel somebody pat his right shoulder. So he turned to the right to see what they wanted, and looked around. And again, he was all by himself in that entire area. There was nobody around. Yeah, I'd move a little quicker after that. Yeah, and there were no sounds of anybody running away or anything. Like somebody taps your shoulder and you turn around. Like that's milliseconds of time. Mm-hmm. And there's no one there. Nobody. You there. don't hear anybody walking away. You don't. Yeah. No. So lastly, Tony and Shireen, which you have met, Tony. You met him through, you know, our um, group chat mm-hmm, when we were mm-hmm. planning our investigation. Um, Sheree is his wife uh, of EVPI. They have done an entire night investigation of the entire place. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. He said that they had to get permission from the mayor of the city to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said it was a crazy place. The activity was off the charts. He actually had his shirt pulled up by an unseen force. Oh, my. Yes. He also said that he had his arm pinned up against a metal gate by an unseen force. Wow. Uh, he said that the EVPs that they got were insane. They were all Class A EVPs, which meant you could hear them with your own ears. Wow. The EVPs, this was what I thought was the most fascinating. The EVPs they caught were in English. Tagalog Girl Scout cookie. No, <laughs> Tagalog. <laughs> Japanese and Latin. 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 Mm-hmm. No. Priests, nuns. Oh, yeah. yeah. Priests, nuns, yeah, Latin. I thought that was fascinating. Was that like, is, that oh. is remarkable. Yeah, for sure. Um, apparently, the volume and the type of anti- and the type of activity was enough to make his wife, Cherie, who is a seasoned paranormal investigator, have to leave the building within 20 minutes of being Yeah, there. she noped the fuck out. Yeah, for sure. And it's actually never happened to her before or since. Oh, yeah. That's hmm. crazy. Insane. So um, that's what I have on the Diplomat Hotel in the Philippines. Something that I didn't I didn't actually have a lot of expectation about. But then I started kind of going into the research and I thought, holy shit. Holy. Right, right. Yeah. Like the websites that I looked at basically all told the same story. Nuns. But each children, one yeah. told a little bit more mm-hmm. or something a little bit different. Yeah. A little different spin or... It, um, encounter with the same the same stuff, but oh god, some of the, the stories. Do you have any pictures of the place? Yes, and we will put them all up on all of our social media and our website. It's a very beautiful. It's a very beautiful place. It's obviously very. It's it's run down. There are no doors. There's very little glass. I don't think I actually have seen mm. any pictures of any glass. I, I didn't see any glass in either. it at all. And then they did turn the hill and the surrounding area into a tourist attraction. Yes. So there are, I mean, there are certain places in the building that look like it's sort of slowly being reclaimed by nature, like vines climbing up the walls and, and the fountains yeah. throughout the place are they're like having 
you know, foliage and stuff grow on them. But it, it, like I said in the beginning of the episode, that, that you weren't here for the beginning of the episode. It reminds me of Povelia Island. And in that particular um, location, the building has just been kind of left to rot and ruin. This building has not. There's restoration being done. It is open for tours. Mm-hmm. It is a natural, uh, uh, what did you say, a natural landmark or a historical? historical area. Yeah. So this particular building in the Philippines is, is very well preserved, whereas Povelia Island and the buildings on it are not. So in a, in a way, it, it kind of reminds me of that, but it's just sort of run down and, and dilapidated. And, and it, I mean, the building was in operation into the 80s. Into the 80s. And when did you say that it had uh, been built? In the early 1900s? 1911 it 1911. started. 1911. And there had been a couple of restorations in the 70s, again, going into the 80s. Right, right, right. But then once that Tony, that that um, psychic surgeon psychic guy. Psychic surgeon guy, once he died. Once he died. That was it. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, they don't have a website, however... Um, it is located at Dominican Hill Diplomat Road in Baguio at 2600. Uh, great, I didn't look this up. Benguet. Sorry. In the f- <laughs> 2600 Benguet Street Road Avenue. I'm not really sure that's the name of the, that's the address in the Philippines. Uh, it is open to tourists seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. For questions and directions, if you are ever visiting the Philippines and you want to check out this really historic, crazy haunted, beautiful, fascinating place, you can also call them at uh, 63-926-788-9234. And as a fun fact, it's my only fun fact for this location, aside aside from the EVPs that Tony and Cherie caught uh, and the different languages, my... Fun fact on this one, it does have a four-star review on TripAdvisor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I thought that was really, I thought that was really cool. It's, a, it's, I've never heard of it. I didn't ever hear of it until Tony and Shuri told me about it when we were doing our, our investigation of Phelps Dodge about a month or so ago. And I thought, mm, really? Yeah. Um, it's also located on the main island that Manila. I believe Manila is their their um, I think is their capital city. The capital city. It's yeah. north of Manila, maybe oh, like okay. two hours north. Oh, okay. On the same island. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so yeah, it. Um, the minute Archie sent me his his history on it, and he was talking about how during World War Two the Japanese made it as a stronghold and a and a base, and I thought, oh, this can't end well. Can't end well. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is not going to end well. And I actually think um, in some of my research I had come across that once once the United States had, had taken it back and reclaimed it from the Japanese, there were a lot of Japanese soldiers that committed suicide in the mm-hmm. Diplomat Hotel because they felt that was a much more honorable death than to be captured yeah. and killed as a prisoner of war or what have you. So... Grim, grim, grim history. Far yeah. more grim than Povelia Island, actually. Oh. And to be never heard of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. But, um, yeah, so when you go to the Philippines and you want to check it out, um, and you go to Baguio City, unlike Povelia Island, uh, cab drivers are more than, more than happy to go ahead and take you up there. Again, it is open 
from about eight to five is a tourist attraction. They are trying to um, restore it. And yeah, but you do, if you want to do a private investigation, uh, you do need to get permission from the mayor. Yeah, special permission. Yeah, which I thought was pretty fucking interesting. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, All yeah, right. that, that's what we have. That's the Diplomat Hotel in the Philippines. It was a very surprisingly lovely bit of history and hauntings on this one. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. So we... Well, I'm curious to see the pictures. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll post all of those up on our social media, which you can follow us on Arch. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, mm. at hoahpodcast.com, yes. even our website. Yes, yes. So if you would like to be a Patreon donor, it's just $5 a month. You get access to early episodes. We release episodes to our Patreon donors on Wednesdays to the rest of the world on Saturdays. And um, yeah, you get videos of our paranormal investigations that we're going to start going on. You get fun history of haunting bingo cards and stickers and... Yeah, lots of, of really, really fun stuff. Yeah, so, we're, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, we really are. And we want to give a big shout out to our current Patreon donors. We love you guys. We're very appreciative for your generosity. And I think that is it. I think we're good. I think we're good. Let's uh, talk for just a quick, quick minute about the wonderful network of podcasts that we belong to. Pod All The Time Podcast Network. Yes. And as always... We want to give a big shout out and um, a plea for everybody to listen to our sponsor ad for Love Heals Rescue and all of the amazing ways that they take care of animals in the area, giving them a second chance at a better life. Which yours certainly have. <laughs> Mine certainly have. They are all rescue dogs and they were all fostered by one of the women that owns Love Heals. And they are just my babies, even though they drove me in fucking sane. <laughs> now, now, now. Mm-hmm. Our newest dog, uh, Tater, is my mom's new puppy. And uh, Tater can do no wrong, even though he does all the wrong all the time. <laughs> but in my mom's eyes, Tater is perfect. He's just a puppy. I know. I know. He's, he, he's a teeny beanie. Uh, anyway, thank you guys so much. Next week, we are bringing you another wildly famous location, almost as famous as Winchester Mystery House. Oh. Yeah. You know. You know. You told me, but I don't know. <laughs> Lizzie Borden House. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, God. That's a good one. That's going to be a good one. So thank you so much. We want to give a big shout out to Tony and Cherie of EVPI. Thank you so much for this location suggestion. It was a lot of fun. And yes, definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So anyway, thank you guys so much. Please, please stick around and listen to uh, these couple of statements for um from our sponsors we love you we will see you next week thanks everybody bye-bye bye history of a haunting is proud to be a member of the pod all the time podcast network pod all the time podcast network is a community of independent podcasts just like ours dedicated to supporting and promoting podcasts Pod All The Time has really great podcasts in its network, such as A Fresh Look, Another Digital Citizen, Round and Round the Podcast, Raw Sex, Ruck Up, as well as The Creative Intuitive, Real AKA Truth, Random Unnamed Podcast, Three Peas Up in a Podcast, Suburban Folk, and I Think We're Doing It.
Find them wherever you get your podcasts. Love Heals Rescue is a nonprofit organization that believes every dog in need deserves a second chance at a new life. Love Heals wants to partner with the community to help as many dogs as possible find loving homes, while also helping dogs in need in the area, such as providing a last litter program where the mother dog is fixed and returned or adopted, and all of the puppies are fixed, examined by a vet, microchipped, and adopted out to help with the overpopulation of dogs in the area. Love Heals Rescue cannot continue to help the community without a dedicated foster network. Please consider becoming a foster. You can find them on Facebook by searching Love Heals Rescue. Help, Help us, us be, be a part, part of the solution. solution.